Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I am Gina Anderson Cohen, and with me I have Cindy Kuzma, Kristen Guile, and Maggie Umberger. And on today's episode, we'll be talking through what we've learned in our second portion of 2019's podcast, and we'll also be digging in to how we're getting better, stronger, faster in the next portion of the podcast this year. That's right, Gina. We have hit the midway point here on season three with two segments down and two to go. We kind of started the last segment on creating a better earth with some pretty sobering facts about climate change and the environment. And I don't know about you all, but as we talked to our guests, I think we all came away feeling like while things may indeed be challenging right now, there are some really smart, motivated people working on solutions. So maybe we could just kind of talk through some of the big picture things that we learned. Kristen, is there anything that jumped out at you from the interviews that we did or from one interview that you did? Yeah, a couple of things. I just most recently did an interview with Ryan Horwath, and he is with Sitka Salmon Shares, which is a super cool company that helps bring wild-caught Alaskan seafood to the Midwest and other areas in sort of the same way that a CSA operates. And he really got me thinking, yes, about the impact of sustainable fishing, um, but more so than that, because let's face it, I'm not ever going to fish for my own food in my life. He sort of helped me remember the importance of supporting companies and sustainable efforts that are super transparent, uh, because he talked a lot about the different education that goes into uh, how Sitka Salmon talks to their members And, you know, all the ways that they stay transparent about like, this is the boat that our fish were caught from. This is exactly where they were caught. This is how many were caught at one time. And I thought that was sort of an interesting general principle that can probably apply to a lot of the people we talk to and how they make sustainability and transparency a big part of their mission. Maggie, did anything similar come up in your conversation with Michael Mader? Oh, yeah. I I talked to Michael Mader, who's the founder of Hippie Feet, uh, and a huge portion of the business. Actually, lots of the components of the business contribute to sustainability in different ways, both for our society and for our environment, which I found really, really cool that he cares about both and that he's found a way to create a company that is doing both. So what Hippie Feet is all about is it is a sock company, uh, and now they're making a few other things as well, but it initially was a business that was a one-to-one model or one-for-one model where for every pair of socks that someone purchased, they would donate a pair to someone in need, primarily homeless youth. Um, was their their major target. But then he sort of found that that was really the tip of the iceberg and that what they could do from there would be to change lives and, and hopefully one chip at a time change the world. And so now he solely employs this, this age demographic of people that are around the age of like 18 to 24 that, are, that have found themselves in a homeless situation. And he gives them a job and gives them an opportunity to get something on their resume so that then they can go forward from there and get different jobs. And he has tons of success stories with that. And so in that way, I think he's changing a lot of people's lives and <clears throat> and perspective on uh, on what does homelessness look like and mean. And then on the flip side, the back end of how they make their socks is with recycled materials. And he's done a lot of work to make sure that 
everything that they do as they grow will also be in a sustainable fashion. And I just think the, the combination of how you can do social good and create impact in that way, in addition to creating a better earth in the more traditional sense is something really powerful. And I think we're going to continue to see companies that are charging forward with both of those types of initiatives. I think that's so cool. And I know what really came through was how that sort of really made him feel like he was contributing to the world in general and just made him feel more healthy and whole himself. I think that um, that was something that struck me too in my interview with Deborah Shore, who's uh, the commissioner, a commissioner of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. She talked about how taking care of the earth was really uh, like restoration was like a mutually beneficial kind of thing that once you start putting your efforts into creating a better environment for everyone. And I mean, in her case, she was talking specifically about the natural world. Um, But I'm sure it's true for the world in general, too, that like she really started to feel more whole and healthy herself, that um, the the natural world gave to her what she put into it and then some, and that it was just a mutually beneficial relationship in that way. And so I thought that was something else that struck me. I mean, I, you know, so many of our guests talked about mindfulness being a part of it too, that it's important to be mindful about your daily actions and their effect on the environment. And I wonder if there isn't some like greater good to that mindfulness that like kind of echoes into your own well-being as well. Um, That if you're more mindful about the way that you consume and produce products, that you also carry that mindfulness over and have some of the benefits to your well-being of mindfulness that we have talked about so often on this podcast in the past. So that was a through line that struck me about many of our guests. Gina, was there something that you learned this season that strikes you? I think we we spoke with so many incredible guests, especially during this quarter of the year. One of my, I guess one of my favorite conversations I had was with Cos Marte, who started Conbody, which is uh, an impactful fitness brand um, that has since Cos and my conversation grown overseas. He just opened a location in London. I know Cindy, you and I have both gotten a chance to visit Cos on his home turf at his studio in, in New York. And it's just a remarkable story to hear someone so, sort of like our friends, Michael Mater and, and some other folks who see a cause, see a problem and use business to solve it. He saw a problem um, in, in the American prison system in folks getting out of um, out of jail and out of incarceration and not having a ton of options as far as employment goes. So he created a, an off ramp and a solution to help people who were like him, formerly incarcerated people to get gainful employment uh, and stay out of the system. So just hearing his passion as he speaks to us about that, as well as as he speaks to other national major media companies about about this mission and and just really continues to to do something big. I, I think it had an impact on anyone who heard it and definitely has an impact on anyone who's face to face with him every single day. And to your point, Gina, all of these guests that saw a problem and solved it in the way that they knew how is really inspiring because it's it also kind of reminds me, and just like you said, Cindy, that mindfulness is a huge component to all of this, that the problems that we're talking about and creating a better earth are big and they're lofty, but one thing at a time does make a difference. And I think that element or that mindset, when you look in the in the lens of mindfulness, totally makes sense. I, I know Robin Shapiro, who um, is the founder of Seek Foods, which is a, a cricket protein. And Kristen, you had the chance to interview her for the podcast a little while ago, talks about this as well, that the mindset that you that you approach how to do better for the world on a grand scale 
always has to start a little bit more personal. And that's something I've definitely taken with me, even just to like the very, very smallest degree of I walk into my apartment building and I always want to take the elevator. And I know everyone takes the elevator all the time. And I just think to myself, and I literally have like 10 or 15 times said, nope, I'm just going to save the energy of that elevator shaft for that this 30 seconds and take the stairs today. And it's nothing, truly nothing. But I think it starts with the mindset always. To your point, Maggie, about mindfulness, I mean, fortunately, we got some really solid, tangible tips, um, some small things like you mentioned that we can do every day that both can have an impact that adds up over time and also really put us in that mindset of thinking about the impact our actions have on the earth. I know when I talked to Deborah Shore about water, uh, she gave me a lot of really smart ideas that I had never really thought about before. Um, One is about running the dishwasher or washing machine only when they're full, which I guess isn't like an earth shattering idea, but just kind of something to to keep in mind. Um, She talked about too, uh, installing low flow toilets if you own your house, which I don't, but uh, maybe I can talk to my landlord about that. (laughs) And she also talked about collecting the water that runs before your shower heats up and that that you can actually use that to flush your toilet, which is... um, I got to say, it's it's hard for me to see myself doing that, <laughs> but I think it is just, uh, you know, it just means that we can be a little bit even more creative than than we thought in, you know, the ways that we approach this. So did you all um, come away with ideas for new small things that you might try? I think in, in speaking with Ben Katz from Haven Co-Living, uh, I, I was just thinking about the things I could share more of. Um, that's one of, one of the things that really makes the community special. Um, they share rooms, they share amenities, uh, and because they share, they can have better, nicer things. So um, just thinking through the, the resources that I don't need to own um, that can be shared between friends and myself, everything from car sharing, uh, doing more of that, um, as well as uh, sharing the, the clothes that I wear instead of buying a new dress for every wedding I want to go to, who has something that I can borrow? So it's not just a a one and done thing. Totally agree with you. As we say that, I am sitting next to a dress that I borrowed from Maggie a few weeks ago and have not given back yet. (laughs) I'm doing it for the environment, Maggie. It's it's a perfect flop. I love it. I know. I I totally agree with you, Gina. And I I also kind of took away from two different of our guests, Parissa Morris, who is a co-founder of Town & Anchor, as well as Gabe Kennedy, who's the co-founder of Plant People, uh, to ask questions when you have them, to not be afraid to to ask brands, like, what are they doing for sustainability practices? Um, and I think that's something that the more that we ask for, the more we're going to get the answers for. But but it it's a little bit of a two-way street. Yes, we do want people to be leading the charge, but we can also demand it on the opposite side. We also, uh, even before we got to hear about all of these these ideas from our guests, we made some big promises about what we were going to do in our own lives. And since we're always asking other people about their goals, it's only fair that we recap our progress. So uh, I can start on this one too. Um, I had pledged to Divi anywhere within five miles of my house, which um, you guys, five miles is kind of a long way. <laughs> um, that was so maybe far. an ambitious goal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I... You know, there may have been some five-ish mile trips that I did indeed uh, end up taking an Uber or a Lyft, but I definitely did divvy a lot more. And it's, you know, not only did I, I think, save gas and uh, save, you know, 
the um, sort of stress of being in a car and parking and all that, I really like felt more connected to the city and to my neighborhood and to all the neighborhoods surrounding me because I was um, on, uh, you know, literally like rolling through instead of protected in my uh, kind of steel case. And I know this is something, Maggie, that you probably already appreciate because I know you bike so much, but um, I was... I was really uh, proud of myself, even if even if I um, am a bad judge of distance by bike. Um, <laughs> I was proud of myself for for um, how how I was able to stick with that pretty well. Um, Kristen, how did you do on your goals for this? Yeah, so I think when we did this last, uh, I had said that I was going to try to keep my Lyft slash Uber cab whatever budget under twenty bucks a month. And I didn't quite hit it, but I feel pretty good still. Um, in June and July, I spent about $40 on Ubers. And in June, my, my dad was visiting in town. So I would help like get a lift to the aquarium uh, when really like I was not going to make my dad take public transit uh, <laughs> to that part of the city. And I, I feel okay about that because like it's still a pretty low number. Um, and currently at August, I just checked, I am at like $16 for my personal Uber budget. So I can make it if I really try really hard and believe in myself. Um, but I will likely end up going over. So um, it's still a good challenge. And I still feel like I, I did pretty well with the goal that I had set. Um, but a more realistic expectation might be somewhere in the $30 range. That's still awesome, Kristen. I can't, I, as somebody who bikes a lot, but alternatively also takes a lot of Ubers. I don't know that I could have hit that goal. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. What was your goal, Maggie? Uh, so I had the goal of using less um, like plastic utensils because I, I have a pair of the like sustainable sort of like wood utensils that you can wash and carry with you. Uh, so I had the vow to not pick up utensils everywhere that I went. I didn't succeed 100%, but a lot of the times I would uh, a lot of the times I did succeed and I would opt for going, I would bring something metal if I had that from the office to go out to lunch with me um, or just have those wooden uh, silverware pieces with me uh, as many places as I could go. And I also used a lot more my um, coffee mug and I have you to thank for that, Kristen, um, that you mm -hmm. gifted me. And so uh, I love oat milk and I may, I'm proud that I would bring my own oat milk in that mug with me to Starbucks so that I could still get the drink I wanted and have the, the oat milk that I wanted and have them just fill up that mug. So um, I, I do feel good about the efforts that I've made over the last few months. Nice job, Mags. Gina, what about you? So I tried to eat less meat um, over the past few months, and I, I really made a valiant effort. So I started referring to myself as a flexitarian, which uh, allowed me to kind of give myself an out whenever there was meat being served on a buffet or meat sort of as an option. Um, so I, I really did succeed at eating meat either at no meals every day or eating meat when I, I really felt like um, my body needed it or I was craving it because I was sick. But mo most of the time I was uh, I was able to stay away from, from most meat. And I really feel, I really feel good about that. And I didn't feel any worse for the wear or like I was missing anything because I, I added other things into my diet, like um, beans and proteins and lentils um, to make up for it. Great. 
Well, I'm proud of all of us. And I think, you know, it's uh, like anything with goals, we set them and then we're not always sure if they're the right ones or like the the exact number is right. But, um, you know, getting uh, whether it's five miles or $20 or whatever, like, uh, but just it sounds like we all really made progress in that mindfulness and just brought that awareness to what we were doing every day. And, uh, you know, I think that's great. So we might not have solved climate change, but (laughs) as we learned, that mindfulness really matters when it comes to starting to change the equation. So listeners, we hope that as you have been following along, you've also found it helpful to put a little more thought into how your actions affect the world around you. Our next segment for season three is a familiar one for us at A Sweat Life, Better, Stronger, Faster. You know, we're centered around living your best life with fitness as a catalyst. So this is an obvious choice. But I know that one thing we've already learned from talking to elite athletes and other goal getters on the show in the past is that these better, faster, stronger types of goals can't necessarily stand alone, or that at least it's important to take a holistic approach to achieving them so they don't take over your life or burn you out. Um, So we've learned that from people on the show. Maybe we've learned that from our own lives too. We can talk a little bit about that. Um, there's an equation that Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus, who are the co-authors of the amazing books, Peak Performance and the Passion Paradox, talk about a lot. And that's uh, stress plus rest equals growth. So whether you're building muscles or a company, getting better, faster, and stronger involves not only hard work, but periods of recovery where that hard work has time to absorb and pay off. So we're really looking forward to talking with guests who've done some thinking about all this, who have either perfected that balance or are working hard at it and willing to share both their successes and their failures. So as we get ready to dive into this segment, I'm curious to hear from you, fellow co-hosts. Is there anyone who wants to share the time that they have felt their best, strongest, or fastest? Yeah, I can kick this off. Um, As you guys have, I think we've talked about this before, but for the past six, seven months, I have been taking private boxing lessons with friend of a sweat life, Courtney Belcastro at Tidal Boxing Club in Lincoln Park. And that has absolutely been something that has made me feel super strong. Uh, she makes me do really hard things. And she, I love working with Courtney because she like has very high expectations for me. And I'm one of those people who like, I am desperate to please an instructor that I really care about. <laughs> so anytime court, like, and I love Courtney. So anytime she tries to make me do something that may seem a little insane or a little intense, I'm like, well, I got to do this. I got to show Courtney how cool and how strong I am. <laughs> so, uh, and beyond that, just punching into the heavy mitts and, you know, doing that really physical, intense type of a workout makes me feel really badass. I have to I have to echo you too, Kristen, because I think the while I definitely think that those words best, strongest, fastest, and can mirror and can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, which is why I love what this segment is going to uh, bring us and what the conversations that we're going to have with guests over the next few months. But I I do have to agree with you that I think the strongest that I have felt in a while has been my uh, uptake of swimming. And if you read A Sweat Life, you're probably bored with this story by now because I keep writing about it and I still love it. Um, But that I I never swam growing up. I didn't do swim team. I didn't ever learn the strokes. And I wrote this story in my head that I wasn't a good swimmer. And then I got an adult swim lesson and the guy told me that I had the potential to be a good swimmer. Of course, I needed to learn like what I was doing and the cadence of the stroke and just to keep it something that I didn't, I would, I was like 
powering through the 50 meters and just like totally wrecked by the end of it. He was like teaching me how to pace it a little bit because ultimately I'm hoping to do a triathlon next week. Uh, So I had to kind of learn that pace. But over the last two months really of swimming almost every other day, it's become like meditation. And it's this uh, sort of opposing thing of working really hard, but getting in the groove of it and just feeling feeling the effects and the benefits of it in the middle of the action, like not just working out to feel better after, but it's the first time that I'm really feeling like the whole process of being in the pool is something I'm like learning from. And it just, it feels incredibly meditative. I just, I really love it. So that's, that's my way of feeling really strong in the present moment. Cindy, for you, what comes to mind when you think of these words, better, stronger, faster, Um, Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say, Maggie, that that story is just beautiful. And I've never been a big swimmer myself. And you're making me think about wanting to try it. Um, I can say that one of the times when I have felt kind of my best and strongest and where these words really had a deeper meaning for me was uh, so a about uh, four or five years ago, I ran a marathon um, in the Quad Cities, um, and this marathon had a, a competition at the expo called the Pump and Run. So you basically, <laughs> like, the day before your marathon, you would do as many, um, uh, it, like, at a certain weight that was determined by your body weight, percentage of your body weight, you would do as many um, bench presses and as many curls as you could. And you add up the number of both that you got and like take a certain number off your marathon time of the marathon that you run the next day. And then whoever winds up with the fastest time based on those two equations wins. Uh, so this is kind of separate from the regular age group awards in the, in the marathon. And I decided, you know, I hadn't really strength trained that much until I got injured multiple times running and ended up going to, uh, the late great hard pressed to, uh, Mm -hmm. to build strength. And so I knew I was doing this marathon. I knew it had this competition and I was like, I, I want to win that. Um, I'm never going to win a marathon, but like, maybe I could win that. So I worked with my trainer there, Dan, uh, and you know specifically said this is my goal, and um, and I ended up uh, coming in first place for that. I can't say I remember like how many um, reps of either thing I did or exactly. I I know my marathon time was around a three twenty eight, and so then it subtracted off of that. But um, it was I was really proud of myself because for so long I had been just focused on running, and this was like the first time that I felt sort of faster and stronger at the same time. Um, and yeah, that was, that was really fun. So someday I'd like to, to get back to that again, but I just got yeah. chills, Cindy. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Gina, how about you? I, I think my better, stronger, faster goal, I'm going to take it into business. Um, because for me, uh, what I really felt my best was, was sort of, um, recently as I, I got, really kind of comfortable and focused, um, in, in sort of a, a steady cadence of, um, of hearing the word no. Uh, and, and that sounds kind of negative, but it also is like very empowering. Um, and what I mean by that is there are periods and, and seasons when, um, when people are like, like, I love what you're doing, but not yet for us. Uh, and when you hear that, if you, if you don't have the, the sort of armor on or the thick skin, it can be just leveling. Um, but, but sort of recently I, I feel like I, I got to the point where I have felt the strongest in the word no. And it, to me is almost empowering and impassioning uh, to hear it. Something in me is like, F you watch me. <laughs> so, so that, that sort of feeling and drive 
um, has been really, really exciting and uh, enlivening for me. And on on the flip side of that, I, I think it also helps to have like a healthy routine getting you out of bed every morning because um, it, it can be easy to have seasons of, of the word no um, also coincide with seasons of not taking care of yourself. So uh, a strong reason why coupled with uh, a really a really strong, healthy routine have helped me kind of feel even stronger uh, in the face of that and, and probably like a better business person. Oh, I love that so much, Gina. And I'm, you know, to kind of follow up on that line, I'm so excited that I think we will be talking to guests who you know, better, faster, stronger is not just a physical thing, that it is uh, a mental and a business. And, uh, you know, it's achieving these goals in any part of your life, which is, again, what we're all about at A Sweat Life. So um, thank you for for putting it that way. So let's kind of flip our traditional we got goals uh, back on ourselves again. And that all I think was talking about goals that we had achieved that we were proud of. Let's set another goal for this next segment and talk a little bit about how we plan to get there um, along the lines of better, faster, and stronger. Gina, would you like to go first? I would love to go first. Uh, over over the next quarter and, and really in general over the next year, how I, how I intend to get better, stronger, and faster is to um, adopt a chain of routines. And I know that that's so cliche, but for me, I'm sort of a rebel at my core. Um, so having a routine is often a rule um, or something I view as a rule that I, I like to rebel against. Like, <laughs> how dare I make a rule for me? Uh, so adopting routines that are rooted in in rationale that will make me better, my team better, uh, and the business better. Those sorts of routines help me to actually adhere to them and to thrive in those situations. So things like I know that waking up at five uh, and getting in my workout before um, seven helps me have the best day uh, and have the best mood and attitude for me, my team, and the business. So that's that's one concrete thing that I intend to do um, and will keep doing because I've been doing a pretty good job of that over the last few months. What about you, Maggie? What's your goal? I think I've got a twofold goal, and I know the the idea of you know balancing out your stress that you put on your body or for your mind to power forward is important to, you know, on the flip side, do something for rest, as you say, Cindy. Um, so I think looking forward, the goal that I have right now is to complete the sprint triathlon, uh, next on August 27th or no 25th. I'll be there whenever it is, I'm going to do it. And then (laughs) in, uh, in, a few months time after that, maybe a couple months time, I'd like to do a full triathlon and that'll be a different type of training because it will be moving into the fall. And so how that looks will be a little bit different, but I'm feeling really good right now. And I want to keep up the momentum also giving myself a little bit of rest in between, but I think I'd like to look towards a more, uh, long, longer endurance, um, kind of goal. And then along that same line, I have been, but not been super diligent about doing a small morning routine called morning pages. Uh, And I I forget if we've talked about that just in person before, or if it's been on this podcast, but I love the idea of waking up in the morning and not calling it journaling, but calling it morning pages where I just write stream of consciousness. It's almost like anything that wasn't settled from the previous day or days is whatever kind of comes out on the page. And that for me is like a concrete way of saying, all right, turn to a new page and start something fresh. 
So even if I don't have a whole lot to say, it can be physically writing. I don't have a whole lot to say about this. <laughs> um, but but getting through those three pages is almost like clearing out the cobwebs of like the back of my mind and then starting somewhere fresh. So I think that has been cathartic and great when I have taken the time to do it. And I do intend to take more more mornings like that. Maybe not every single morning, but more. Maggie, I might join you in that. I, that sounds really cool. I, I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, yeah, Lord knows I have enough notebooks laying around the house that I can uh, <laughs> get for this activity. I'll go next, though. My my goal, I think I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I feel like I'm in a good routine as far as like what physically makes me feel like strong and fast and healthy. But what I'd like to play around with is being more like mindful and intentional during my workouts. I think it's really easy, especially when you're a fitness instructor too, because like you're just kind of in the zone and used to what you're doing. I think it, I would like to try being more mindful and more intentional during my workouts. And we've written about this on a sweatlife.com before. So I will take our own writer's advice and like really think about what I'm working when I'm doing a certain movement or like what goals I'm using that movement to reach towards and just really focus on being present and mindful during that one hour a day that I've set aside for my, you know, maybe physical goals and way to make it a little bit more mental as well. That's great. And I will chime in with mine too. And Gina, I actually, um, I loved what you were talking about in terms of the better, stronger um, way of hearing no. And I think that this is an idea that I want to play with, with my goal for the next quarter, um, make it more professional business-wise than physical. Um, So I really, you know, I have some goals for my writing and different kinds of publications I'd like to get into. But uh, as a freelance writer, you don't really get into new publications if you don't pitch them and uh, haven't been doing a great job of pitching new publications lately, especially ones that are like sort of on my uh, dream list. But one thing that I have noticed is that whenever I do pitch more, um, each sort of individual pitch is less like less weighty in a way. Like I don't mind as much if I don't hear back or if I get rejected because I am, it's all about like putting as many feelers out there as possible. And then um, you never know where, when those seeds that you're planting are, are going to pay off later on. So I think I'm going to try to take that more of a um, maximal <laughs> approach to pitching and try to just get more out there so that A, I get in the habit of doing it more and that B, each uh, individual pitch is not as, um, you know, each individual rejection or each individual uh, lack of response is not as defeating for me. And I think that that will be really good for my Mm -hmm. career overall. So that is my plan for this next quarter. Go get them, Cindy. (laughs) Well, as always, we will check back with you at the end of this quarter. Hopefully we will all have lots of new ideas about how to be better, faster, stronger, how to get that equation of stress plus rest right in our own lives from listening to all of our guests this quarter. Um, thank you so much for listening to the We Got Goals podcast. Thank you, co-host, so much for joining me today. And we look forward to catching up with you again next time. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. Just know I'll be back, so no need to friend. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or review while you're there, we would truly appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to my lovely co-hosts for joining me this week, to Ryan Deffitt for editing, and of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.